because that that's where the healing starts mm. let's just get it out there let's just open it up let's not pour the salt in let's let things heal mm. and that's what i think real reconciliation is welcome to season three of the surrender podcast i'm craig petty and i'm charlene de santos together we're the directors of surrender a collective of people and organisations carrying a message to motivate, support and equip us to live out the radical call of Jesus amongst the margins. In this podcast, we're providing a platform for conversation and storytelling as we hear from some friends who embody this message. While we might not always agree with everything we hear from one another, what we desperately want to do is create a space to listen and to learn and to find Jesus in the centre of it all. Today's episode is part two of our conversation with Auntie Shirley Kongu and Auntie Sue Hodges, General Manager and Engagement Officer in the amazing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander team with the Salvation Army Australia. We explore what reconciliation is, the role of Jesus the Redeemer in that, and also things like the application of their cultural competency framework. You both have been doing such an amazing job and it sounds so huge trying to um, embed these practices all Mm. from the top to the bottom. Um, Work there, that's for sure. But you know what? You know what excites me and and people in our team is that we don't just feel like we've just been an add-on that we're just mm. tacked on there and and and, yep. the, and the organization can just tick the box and go you know what we've got an aboriginal union yep. and how good is that you know what we're in everything it we're just woven through the fabric of the salvation army yep. and yeah. that just makes you feel like valued yeah, and we're, we're only really at the beginning of it all this is our mm. first year into it Mm. And, uh, yeah, we have some really tough conversations sometimes, uh, particularly in those working groups and, uh, you know, holding each other to account but Mm. also the Salvation Army because there's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, external experts need to be brought in too because there's only a certain amount uh, that we or knowledge that we hold or experience. So, uh, yeah, we we actually encourage them to engage external um, experts also at times. Mm. So for you personally, what does reconciliation look like for you? For me, I always always find that, uh, this is my own personal thing, it's not selfless. Um, I always find it uh, challenging, I think, with the word reconciliation Mm. uh, because I always think uh, conciliation because that's a better Mm. description of of the journey Australia should be going on because that's an act of bringing peace and harmony uh, where we know there's there's a lot of issues uh, that have gone on but we want to work towards peace and harmony within those particular areas where mm. reconciliation it already implies we had this relationship that broke down that we want re-established. Mm. Uh, so always, mm. I'm always challenged with that. Uh, the other person who challenges me, I think, in all of this is Uncle Ray Minicon. And when we've had um, discussions around reconciliation, because we had him as a guest speaker last year for National Reconciliation Week, and we were speaking about uh, reconciliation, and he he sort of put it as, well, okay, that's as it's defined by the world, more or less. And he said reconciliation, when our, um, he said reconciliation of the raps in particular, he said that's about helping white fellas of how they can reconcile with us, but there's nothing out there that's vice versa. 
And he, he always encouraged me to explore it a bit more about, around what the biblical perspective of reconciliation was, um, constantly on this learning journey mm-hmm. of unlearning and learning because when we go back to that, we're focusing on God mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and what's in the word and, you know, reconciliation through redemption. We had this awesome team meeting the other day um, where one of the staff members, so all of our team meetings, we have weekly team meetings, but we have, uh, you know, prayer and acknowledgement and then someone gives a devotion. And uh, he, he was talking about the redemption through reconciliation and, and just sort of brought our team back to reconciliation through redemption. Like who would have thought that? We know that, but we, we, our definition is based on what we know of the world about reconciliation, mm. uh, not, on, not in the biblical sense. And, you know, because Jesus is the solution, mm. yet we're not bringing him into the conversation when we're talking about reconciliation. Uh, you know, and he, he can restore all the peace in the world. Like we know that as Christian, but we've got to remember that. And um, about recon, uh, reconcil- reconciling, uh, all of creation. So we can't mm. just be reconciliation just about people. Mm. It's got to be about all of creation. Mm. And sometimes we get stuck in the word reconciliation is about relationships and and uh, and we forget about creation. Although now you see this big 360-degree turnaround, you know, talking about, you know, our environment and creation. Um, so, you know, uh, Scripture then tells us, that God was reconciling himself through all things through Jesus, which is why we've got to keep our eyes on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the whole creation story is about uh, relationships, so reconcilia- uh, reconciling ourselves to God, uh, to each other, to creation and to ourself. Mm-hmm. So there, there's this whole concept of reconciliation. It's very hard for us, I think, to think we're sitting in these churches and reconciliation is all nice, but our people are still being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. We're still having children removed, you know, and all of that. So uh, me personally, this is my own personal view. So me personally, I, I still wrestle with a lot of that to say, mm. well, reconciliation is is inclusive. Mm. And Holistic. I, I, yeah, so I can't mm-hmm. just stick to the definition there. Yeah, so we wrestle with that because we have to unlearn some things to relearn. Mm. So, yeah, I, that that's my struggle. But, yeah, I firmly believe reconciliation is about relationships, but mm. relationships about all of creation. Mm. You know, reconciliation, rec- reconciling with God, our, uh, all of creation, uh, others and ourself. Mm. And mm. ourself is very important too because if we're not right, or things are out of balance in either one of those four, then others will come out of balance. And I think that's mm. where we're, we're all out of balance. And so we've got to bring that balance back in. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so for me, it's about people just looking at themselves and wanting to be a better person. Um, it's about putting your own prejudice aside and working together, learning about each other's cultural ways and, um, you know, from a very childlike kind of a perspective, it's mm. about getting to know what culture is in, in, our, in our culture. It's about mm. our ways, our values, the food we like. Um, you know, like you have people who turn their nose up and go, oh, I wouldn't eat goanna. 
well, give it to me, you know, don't yeah. worry about it. Um, our celebrations, you know, like understanding that we we love to get out and, and celebrate things like National Reconciliation Week or NAIDOC or, mm. you know, and while we don't like celebrating 26th of January, like reconciliation is about understanding why mm. we don't like doing things in, mm. in mainstream society as well, mm-hmm. you know, um, understanding our stories. We've got a lot of dreaming stories here in the Hunter and I want to be able to tell them to my kids and my grandkids and reconciliation is about accepting those stories as well as the stories in the Bible or, or you know, the, the little children's books that we used to read the little golden books before we would go to bed and and understanding those kinds of things and our beliefs so here we have um mount yango where we believe Bayami came out of the sky created the valleys and and the creatures and and man and woman and and then stepped back onto the mountain and went back into the heavens well the story is very similar to genesis mm. okay so it, so that reconciliation is if you don't want to accept those stories that's not reconciliation and if you just want me to believe one thing that's not reconciliation so it's like listening to me mm. And it's about understanding where I'm coming from, mm. and it's about I've got to make um, I've got to make sense of what you're saying. So how about you try and make sense of what I'm saying as well? So it's about that mm. too, you know, the sharing and the caring, and reconciliation isn't about having things your way all the time, mm-hmm. which is what we've seen in churches, what we've mm. seen in the government, what we've seen in society school education all those things it's always been your way and mm-hmm. and you'll reconcile with us if we do it your way mm-hmm. but, but reconciliation for me is when when you're happy to flip that and accept the way that i want to live the way i want to believe the things that i want to do mm-hmm. it's about allowing people to speak you know we're still fighting for five minutes to give an acknowledgement of country we're still mm. fighting for the time that we're allowed to have in meetings. So when we see mm. that that's okay, look, don't matter, take however long you want, then, you know, that's kind of going, well, we value what you're saying. Mm. It's about um, being open and sharing. It's about acknowledging that we've been hurt because that's when you say, well, I'm sorry about that. And it's mm-hmm. like in the Bible it says when, when it says repent, that says I'm not going to do it again, right? So don't mm-hmm. hurt another person. Don't hurt mm-hmm. another Indigenous person. Mm-hmm. If you say I'm sorry, don't take another kid away. Mm. Don't don't go and lock another kid up without or adult up without due cause. You know, make sure you look at those things. It's about reconciliation to me is about pulling off the Band-Aid mm. and, and the truth-telling that's, you mm-hmm. know, come this year through National Reconciliation Week and Reconciliation Week themes, because that that's where the healing starts. Mm. Let's just get it out there. Let's just open it up. Let's not pour the salt in. Let's let things heal. Mm. And that's what I think real reconciliation is. Mm. So listening, understanding and relating Absolutely. before trying to fix something that may or may not be there. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great way of putting it. And there are there's a certain gender in society that when you talk about certain things, they want to go straight in and fix it. Mm. You know, we might just want you to listen. 
Mm. We might just want you to give us time to have a cry about that. Mm. We might just want you to pass us a tissue and not try and fix it and go out and do everything. But yeah, reconciliation is about showing you care and 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 it's okay to, you know, just let that happen. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great to hear your heart. Very succinct and makes sense to me. And I think often my mob have gone, well, if there's a problem to solve, we'll try and jump in and fix it without actually understanding or hearing the heart. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. So now I've lost my place, but I know it's my turn. So just hang on. Read your paper. (laughs) (laughs) So 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 shifting from the the wrap and that framework into the piece around cultural competency anisu can you share for us what this cultural competency looks like and i guess it actually bounces out of that Mm. last statement as well so so the cultural competency for me is really about um listen and learn and Mm. that's uh that's that's key to the cultural competency and capability framework. It's, it's, um, it's important for the cultural competency. And what that looks like is that, you know, when you're setting someone up for a traineeship, they got to go along, they learn the skill, they learn the trade, and they pick up whatever knowledge and tools they need to do that. You know, if you're going to be a doctor or a nurse or a mechanic or a gardener, you learn that. Mm-hmm. It's the same as being culturally safe. Mm-hmm. you got to learn that. You can't just walk in, big note yourself and think you can do it. Mm. you got to learn it. You might have to read. You might have to research. Mm. You might have to talk to some elders. You might have to talk to the chairperson of the land council. Mm-hmm. You might have to get some ideas. I, I know, um, I think um, when we talk about what does cultural competency look like, it's someone who is really confident in their skill they're not not particularly Aboriginal or, or uh, Torres Strait Islander. Mm-hmm. We're specifically focusing on non-Indigenous people here and we want to see them know the land where they are, who mm. know the, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nation where they are, have a knowledge about um, past histories mm-hmm. and, uh, and be able to work with other non-Indigenous people to be able to pull them in and talk to them and be someone who can be like train the trainer mm. so coming through and doing the the course that we offer the the center for cultural competency australia course and doing cultural immersion not everyone will have a chance to do that but they may get to do it in other in their own location with their own local aboriginal and torres strait Islander organizations to be able to be the person on the ground wherever they're working whether it's in aod or whether it's in um, employment plus or whether it's in a family store to be able to come in there and and demonstrate to other people what's desired and and set some goals and look at what can be changed and work towards that. When we can start to see that it's the given thing to hear an acknowledgement of country or get an elder Mm -hmm. to do a welcome or Mm -hmm. see the flags up or have culturally appropriate resources and perspectives in whatever area you're working in, then that's what I would say is culturally competent. Mm. You know, it might be wearing the shirts. If you don't feel... You know, when we start hearing, you know, like, oh, why should we do that? Um, I, you know, why, why do you have to keep dragging these things up all the time? 
like we still have Anzac, don't we? And we still have mm -hmm. many other things that we talk about that happened a long time ago and we still talk about today. So when we start to see that cultural competency in the workforce and we start to see that going home with us and we start to see that flourish in other areas of our life, that's what cultural competency looks like. And it's not mm. something you just leave at work when you leave. It's something you take with you, you know. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you're down the street and you bump into an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people and your person and you walk up and say, G'day, mate, how you going? Or um, you're happy to sit on the bus next to an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person. Or you you always, or, or you, like, you know what, I, I've been to shops where people have served people behind me. Mm. And then I've had someone go, oh, but, you know, this lady's here before me. Oh, sorry, didn't see you. You know, those kind of comments. Mm -hmm. When we start to see that it's just a it's just a given thing that everyone gets treated the same, mm. no matter who you are, mm. then that's what I say is going to be culturally confident. Mm. Yeah, I think just to sort of sum it up what Sue was talking about, um, because Cultural competency is about skills, behaviour and attitude. So the whole uh, framework itself is about changing skills, attitude and behaviours. And then hopefully achieving that is having capable, confident and responsive frontline programs or churches mm -hmm. uh, is the other key things that we sort of use as our base uh, when we were developing the framework itself uh, mm -hmm. because it's predominantly non-Indigenous salvos out in the front line. That's why we, our main goal was to have confident, capable and responsive people in the front line because the transformation doesn't necessarily happen at our level. The biggest transformation will happen, ha happen in the front line. Through mm. mm. that. So, uh, uh, Shell, you were mentioning uh, earlier how there's been some difficult conversations as well um, throughout this process. Mm. Um, how do you have reconciliation conversations with positive intent yeah i first heard of the uh, positive intent from a brené brown book i was reading and the quote was explaining it says i know my life is better when i work from the assumption that everyone is doing the best they can and it's, it was just challenging people, anyone you came across, you know, if you have that positive intent thinking like that, it, it changes your whole perspective. And so it, it moves us beyond the, the, the pushing and grinding on the same issues of people not wanting to do training or not wanting to create salt, uh, culturally safe places uh, and just taking the, the posture that people uh, know what they know and they act accordingly. And so mm. that that sort of helps me uh, take that posture of posture of positive intent, but there's also an element of knowing what you know and acting accordingly, but also there's accountability that's tied into that. So with what we've provided through the wrap and, and through the framework, people know new new information or you know have new attitude behaviours and, and skills. Uh, so the accountability is in how you do that differently. Mm. yeah so we our whole team prefers to work from a positive intent uh sort of framework uh because yeah you 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 do feel better if you're coming from uh thinking positively about people when we're engaging with them and we all, I always say to the new team members coming on board is you know we're like the the coaches on the sideline you know and salvos are at the start line somewhat be a bit further ahead but our our job is 
uh, to coach them and then watch them run the race and cheer them on because we want them to be winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, huge. Yes. So then I was talking about, um, you know, the team member, uh, Joshua, and he's new to our team. He only done his month review. Um, so we have, uh, like I was explaining earlier, a time of devotion every time we meet every week on a Friday. And uh, he bought, bought us this powerful message uh, of the power of redemption being a part of our DNA as Jesus followers. And um, what our people have experienced since, since their lands were, were stolen can be redeemed. So we as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are to take our rightful place, acknowledging this is where God has placed us for a time such as this and bring forth his redeeming powers and plan for this place of Australia where he placed our people on this land to continue to thrive and flourish. That's beautiful. So I guess what we want to talk a bit about is cultural safety and how the local church can move towards culturally safe spaces for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I guess we're now thinking of uh, the people that are listening in and who are part of different Christian communities, churches, other organisations, and how we might learn from you and this huge work that you've undertaken. Where do we start? Yeah, I think Sue touched on it, uh, you know, a bit before when she was speaking. Um, But the first thing we would uh, say is if you have Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in your churches, ask them. Mm. Mm -hmm. For us, it's a sign of respect and recognition for them as First Nations people in their church. Uh, And we, if any, if any other denominations ask us, that's the first thing we'll ask is, do you have Aboriginal trusted on the people in your church? Mm. But if you ask, you have to stop, listen, then act. Mm. But don't ask the question if you're not prepared to respond and act. I personally have never gone to another denomination to do any ministry work without an invitation from an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander person from that particular denomination, and that's purely out of respect for them and the ministry they carry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm ever approached uh, by another denomination, I always ask them if they have mobbed there and why they haven't approached them out of respect for them, and I would rather yarn with mob. Uh, from another denomination and be welcomed uh, by them and their place. And uh, for me, it's a a cultural respect thing that um, I don't make any assumption that there's no Indigenous people in other churches. Mm. So, yeah, I think for me it's a really respectful thing that, particularly if you know other churches, like I know United Church has a whole heap of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, you know, leaders Mm. and and whatnot. So I would uh, definitely go to that. If we were invited, we would accept more likely than not but it's yeah it's just not making the assumption that there's not other aboriginal trusted on the people and other denominations mm-hmm. um the other um, aspect of cultural safety is like sue was saying uh, there's visual aids like the flags and they're free from your federal member right across australia mm-hmm. um acknowledgement plaques or stickers uh, localized paintings and it's always good to get localized paintings because Different paintings have different meanings in different countries. And once again, that's just showing respect for that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, do an acknowledgement of country before you start your service. 
Um, and another another um, sign for me is if there are other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people there, that's a big sign for cultural safety uh, when we see our mob there. Um, you have an opportunity to do traditional namings for building centres or programs, um, but always follow the, the appropriate consultation uh, with the traditional owners to ensure that, um, number one, you get their approval, and, uh, yeah, and just follow cultural protocol. Well, to finish off, <laughs> to finish off uh, tonight, I've got just the five uh, fast questions for you, just the things that stand out uh, first up in your mind as I ask these questions. So uh, fill in the blank. Surrendering to Jesus means? Being a rebel with a cause. How do you see Surrendering to Jesus means not not fearing anything and knowing that uh, you got God behind you and you can do all things through him. That's great. And what is your favourite meal, Annie Shirley? Mine is cup Murray food. Anything that's cup Murray cooked on the ground, bring it on. Yum. So My favourite food would have to be uh, damper and curry, I reckon. Damper and curry. Old chicken curry. That's good. And what is a film you really love? Oh, look, oh, just I'm in love with this um, prison movie that's been released. It's called Healing, and it's where they uh, they got these prisoners on this wonderful journey of um, uh, helping eagles who have been injured and um, healing them and getting them back into the nature. So that also heals them as well. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I, I love watching documentaries and real, real and like real random ones. You know, stuff <laughs> that you just get bored. Like I binge watched all my little shows, and it's like, ah, oh, what can I watch? I'll just like flick through. But it's very, really interesting. Like I've seen these, uh, like the gay conversion stuff. Like I don't know a lot about it, so I'm just like, mm. you know what? I know nothing about that. I'm going to mm. learn something today. Yeah, and just like you know, how it impacts on uh, uh, those people in, in that mm. particular group and just some of the, the challenges and, mm. yeah, so, really, yeah, I, I'm a, yeah, I love watching documentaries. Could be about anything. Yeah, that's great. And what brings you great joy? My great joy brings me big, big, big joy and just love watching them grow and learn and, and, and and they encourage me and they challenge me too. Like mm. my grandson, 13-year-old, goes, Nan, want to go fishing? It's like, no, nah, don't like fishing. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much do you love me then? Uh... <laughs> no, but he just showed me where he had to go to the hospital because his little brother, who's seven, hooked him with a fishing hook and it went through his knee and he had to <laughs> cut out. Like, oh. That just turned me off. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not going fishing. Well, yeah. I love fish, but I don't need to catch them, right? Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Annie Shirley? Yeah, my, my greatest joy would be uh, my children, watching them parent and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and my grandchildren and, just how they, oh, they just, it's just so beautiful. Like when you become grandparent, you'll know. But, you know, like my daughter says to my granddaughter, who's three, like she, she thinks I'm 16, right? And so she wants to be jumping on my back when I'm in the cupboard <laughs> and that type of stuff. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, I can't, can't get up off the floor. I need help. And she'll say to my granddaughter, 
like, don't do, because they call me big mum. I said, don't do that. Big mum's precious. And anyway, I say, my, <laughs> my granddaughter, three-year-old, I'm on the floor and she'll come up and she'll grab my face and she goes, oh, you're precious, eh, big mum? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that brings me the, uh, the greatest joy. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. Now, knowing that's going to be my legacy left after I'm well and truly gone is uh, yep. just great kids and beautiful grandchildren. That's beautiful. Mm. And finally, what's one lesson you wish you had learnt earlier in life? Mm. We've been around for a long time, you know. <laughs> like yeah I, I think I wish I had have learnt um what a what a great life being a Christian is mm-hmm. and um how how much better it is you know to to have Christian friends and and all that love and support that comes with that because it certainly beat the life that I had when I was in the world you know mm. Yeah. yeah, I think they just, for me, it was um, like I was a horrible teenager, terrible, terrible. And, uh, you know, I wish I, I was a bit more um, probably sensitive, uh, you know, to my parents in, in particular. I caused them a bit of grief. They just now they're just like, oh, I wish it was like that when you was a teenager. But yeah, I think if, now, knowing what I know now because I'm an adult and because I'm a grandparent, I've been a parent. Uh, yeah, I wish I just would have been a bit more sensitive to what was going on for my parents and grandparents. And now, historically, I wasn't concerned about history when I was growing up. I just wanted to get out and do what every teenager wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, I was saying, yeah, when I have kids, you know, they're going to be able to go wherever they want. Where I'm, I'm worse than my mother and my father. <laughs> we were, we're, we're nicknamed Congo Boot Camp. I didn't like it at the time but now so we say to our kids look just take from us as parents what you absolutely loved and then the rest just make it up as you go (laughs) that's great well thank you so much Arnie Sue and Arnie Shirley you two um, are such a powerhouse (laughs) you are (laughs) such a blessing to the Salvos but also you know to the wider church and it's been such a pleasure to hear your journey your stories and your heart uh, for your people and for the church as well so thank you so much uh, for your time with us today thanks for listening this podcast is part of our have you heard series What have you heard today? What have you noticed? What have you surrendered? Join us and take action at surrender.org.au.